Do you have amulets and other trinkets to protect you from evil spirits? You go get your palm read? Do you use tarot cards? You say, I'm spiritual. Or maybe you think this is all for a bunch of heathen, all that stuff. Are you so wrapped up in your religiosity that you can't hear the voice of Christ? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski. I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday, where these are uploaded. You're going to find previous ones there and other content as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, and that is spelled G-O-D-S. R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. And you will find us in person every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. in the Wilkesbury Public Square. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. So this morning, we are going to be dealing with two encounters with Christ coming from maybe two different angles, although they're not quite as different as they may look in the beginning. You've probably heard about superstition before, you know, the black cat, don't walk under a ladder, don't open an umbrella in a house. And then there's all sorts of other things that people have, you know, um, not... uh, spilling the salt, throw the over your shoulder, pepper over your shoulder, all sorts of crazy stuff, right? We know about superstitions. And, you know, a lot of people, they live their lives bound up because of superstitions, because of things that they've somehow planted in their mind as important, and they're really trivial, and they're not so important after all. They're not the highest importance, uh, and sometimes of zero importance whatsoever, most of the time. So we look at that side of things, But then we can look at the other side of people who are uh, stuck in some kind of traditional religiosity in their lives. And so they go to the other end. And those people that are in that religiosity, they may look upon somebody who perhaps is stuck in somewhat of a more esoteric um, superstition uh, about the way that they live their lives and think those people just are so ignorant and they don't know any better. The ironic thing is, People that are stuck in this religiosity, they have superstitions themselves. Uh, I'm thinking particularly, and I'm not just trying to throw stones, but I'm bringing this to where we're living right now. I think about the sign of the cross people make when they go into a church. They make the sign of the cross. I remember we uh, lived at a a place in Massachusetts, and there was a lady who used to walk by uh, our house frequently, and we lived in a parsonage right next door to a church. The lady would walk by, and when she would get to us, um, you could we could look out our living room window and see this lady on the sidewalk. She would do the sign of the cross over and over, so long as she was in front of the parsonage and church. The moment she crossed the street, she didn't do it anymore. She was stuck in a superstition. 
So there's the sign of the cross. There's the praying of rosary beads uh, over rosary beads, saying Hail Mary however many times. Those things are superstitions. And you might think to yourself, well, they seem to be religious. They seem to be, uh, maybe they're doing something good. It's superstition nonetheless. But we're going to find in John chapter 5, as we're reading through this morning, that superstition can bring itself up in a couple different ways. And we can find that when somebody comes up to God, there's two entirely different responses to having this encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at. It's This is continuing on in our series of encounters with Christ. So without further delay, we're going to be looking in John chapter 5, and we're going to be going through the whole chapter. Uh, we'll, pu- we'll pull out a little bit of chunks and we'll park it in certain places to bring a point out. But let's just start right in. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So here we're, I was talking about superstitions right in the um, beginning there. Here we are in a sen- uh, this superstition where this man has been laying sick for 38 years near a pool where people were, I guess an angel or they say an angel, it probably some wicked spirit or something. I have no idea. Anyways, these waters were troubled and it was seen that if you were to stay, uh, if you were to get in the waters when they were troubled, people would get healed. Well, this man, 38 years, he's trying to be healed. Every time he tries to crawl to this pool, other people get in there before him and then the waters stop being troubled and there's no hope for him. And he put his hope in superstition. And, you know, we're not far from that right now. I know people that their lives are in such a mess that they have put themselves in superstition, grasping for some kind of an answer. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But Jesus asked the man this question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Not does Jesus have the capability or the power or the possibility to be healed? But do you want to be healed? Do you want to? So we see here an issue of personal responsibility. Our will. He's asking this man. And when Jesus speaks to us, he's asking us, do you want to be healed? Do you want it? The thing is, Christ is willing and oftentimes more than willing to do certain things for us but he won't because he's not going to step on top of our will. So he asks this man who for 38 years has been trying to crawl into this troubled waters pool because it had some kind of a, you know, a myth about it or some kind of a legend about it. And people knew, and they tried to get in these troubled waters. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answers him in verse seven, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps in before me. You see, at this point, Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed? And the man's framework is still this superstition, is still this pool. That's the man's framework. That's where he is right now. That's what he's thinking. He's leaning on superstition, even at this point. 
You can see the compassion of Christ. He's coming to this man. He knows this man wants to be healed so desperately, but the man's looking in the wrong place. So he's leaning on superstition. Perhaps you're one of those people. You've got amulets, gems, and stones. I'll tell you a few stories. I've talked with some people before. One person was saying that they had these, uh, you know, they had a stone in their pocket. They had these necklaces around their necks. They had symbols on them, which when I looked at it, it was pentagram, uh, which is demonic in and of itself. But they they have these necklaces on with these different pictures and they have some symbols. They mean certain things. They're supposed to do certain things and ward off evil spirits and all this kind of thing. The thing is, is when we put our trust in these superstitions, we end up giving this unseen realm, this evil part of this unseen realm, free roam inside of our hearts. And you'll say, well, I don't believe in this black, dark magic. I believe in this white light magic. I believe in this, you know, good spirits. The thing is, anything that challenges the supremacy of Christ, that Christ is Lord of all, anything that challenges that is not good in God's sight, no matter what label we might put on it. So we wear these amulets and we think this is going to protect me from this. Some people put their patron saints on a dashboard in their car like this dead saint is going to help them. The Bible doesn't speak anywhere about dead saints helping us. So amulets, gemstones, and that kind of thing. I remember talking with a man. He believed in this uh, Q situation where, you know, Trump was somehow um, got the military came and and asked him to be president because he wasn't bought out by the other people. And he's part of some secret, excuse me, military operation that's going to somehow overturn all the wickedness that's going on here. Again, challenging the supremacy of Christ. This, this Q stuff is, you know, the military or whatever. These people are somehow going to be our savior. Trump's going to be our savior. All It's, again, superstition. And um, if anyone was to look into that with any bit of sense, you should at least be very weary and cautious of things that are said there. And the reason I say that is because as as somebody who believes in Christ, um, when I see anything that challenges Christ's supremacy, it's immediately suspect to me. So I'm not going to swallow it too easily. Well, I met a man, excuse me, on the street. And uh, I just went over to talk with him, and I think I handed him a tract at this point. And I said, what do you think about what's going on in the world right now? I'll often use that to start a conversation with people because things are crazy, and people are asking lots of questions about what's going on in the world around them. And then he leans in and he says, we're everywhere. Don't be afraid. And I thought, oh my, this is going to get interesting. And he proceeds to tell me that he's part of this group or something. And he's going to, you know, we're all warriors in this group. And he's just a normal guy. I don't really think he has any special military clearance or anything, but he somehow bought into this superstition idea. And out of his pocket, he had many different things. He was telling me necklaces around there, but he pulled out, or maybe this was a necklace too. He pulled it out from under his shirt and he showed me a stone. And he said, this is a Shungite stone. Do you know what a Shungite stone is? And I said, no, I don't. And he proceeded to tell me all of what a Shungite stone was. He said, when you were far away from me, you felt whatever you did. But when you started coming close to me and you got it within about, you know, say 10 feet, did you notice the atmosphere changed? You did. And I said, well, I, I didn't really notice any of that. 
And he said, well, when you leave from me and this, this like 10 foot circle around me and you try and step off the curb and go across the street, he said, you'll notice the darkness starts to fall again. And he was trying to get me, he gave me a bunch of information on a paper to go buy Shungite stone, to look up all this other whatever. And it was all this superstitious stuff that's basically from the occult coming in and people are saying they love God, they love Jesus Christ, and then they're pulling all this stuff in as if this stone inside of his pocket that came from some kind of a meteorite is going to give him any sort of spiritual protection or help whatsoever. It's not. It's a stone. If there's any power that comes from it, it's because of a belief in superstition. And some of these superstitions, especially when they get into the spiritual realm, are from devils and demons themselves. Nevertheless, People lean on those. So I told you a few stories about those, but people have affirmations that they say to themselves and trying to like trick their mind into believing something. Uh, people use tarot cards. I remember dating a girl when I was back in high school and I was not saved. She had a, a deck of tarot cards in her room and I looked at it and I, I didn't understand much of what was going on there, but I remember looking through it and she had an aunt that lived with her, and her aunt was a born-again Christian. Her aunt saw those and said, you have no idea what you're messing with. You need to get rid of these things and not mess with these again. You're going to open up your heart and your life to so much damage inside of your life. And uh, she proceeded to take the cards and throw them in the trash. The cards in and of themselves, nothing to them. They're a piece of paper. The pictures are pictures. However, the spirit that's behind it is not Christ, it's the devil. There's superstition involved in this. Same thing with astrology, same thing with, you know, chakras and, uh, you know, I've got to open up this chakra and get to my crown chakra so that I can communicate with the spiritual uh, ethereal world and all, all of that superstition. But the thing is, people have ruined their lives. Maybe you're one of those people that's listening right now. You give your life over to this stuff and you end up being less stable in your mind, less stable in your heart, less stable in life in general, as you give yourself over to this, because there are wicked spirits working behind all of this. And this man, he was leaning on superstition there at the pool, filled with torment because he couldn't get in there. Nobody would pick him up and put him inside of this pool. Remember, Jesus just previously asked him, do you want to be healed? And he said, well, nobody will put me in the pool because he was leaning on superstition. Well, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. That man must've heard some authority in Jesus' voice because he stood up immediately and he was healed of 38 years of paralysis. He was healed in one moment. And I would ask you, dear listener, when Jesus speaks to you, when you hear his voice, will you put action to your faith? Will you act on the things that he's saying? Now, he's not gonna ask you to do things that are not inside the Bible because the devil can robe himself as an angel of light and get you all confused doing all sorts of nonsense in his name. But when Jesus speaks to you, when you know it's God that's talking to you, what will you do with that? At once, the man was healed, it says, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 
362-7782. So we had the first class of the person who is given over to superstition. And that was very flagrant, open uh, superstition. Then there's the other ones that hold to superstition that is kind of cloaked under Christianity or some kind of religious garb. Jesus healed that man who was waiting at the pool on the Sabbath day. Very important. We look at verse 10. It said, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. Let me ask you a question. Do you honestly think that the man who has been paralyzed for 38 years was thinking in his mind what day that was? You know, we as people so often would like to stick God in a box, especially those that name the name of Christ, that have perhaps gone to church for all their life. We like to stick God inside of a box of our own religious making. No doubt there are absolutes that you and I, we need to follow. It's it's good for every Christian, and there's nothing... I'm not talking against the things in the Bible that are absolutes. I'm talking about the things that we make up ourselves as people and then try to salve our conscience as if we're actually loving and obeying God when Jesus, he said to the Pharisees, you hold on to your own traditions and make the commandment of God to none effect. And that, unfortunately, is the human condition without Christ. So there are absolutes every one of us need to follow, but God, however, may work outside of the confines of what we think is best because God knows differently than we do. And that's what Jesus had done at that particular moment. He answered them, the the man who was paralyzed, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. He just had simple childlike obedience. He wasn't trying to, you know, go through all this stuff. He said, walk. I stood up and walked and it's amazing. Look at me. That That was this man. Well, they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? They were infuriatingly angry because here's this man breaking the Sabbath according to their standards, their traditions. I'm not interested, however, in in telling you this. I'm not interested in fostering bitterness in the hearts of those of you that are listening to this that may have grown bitter towards the church for various different reasons. Maybe people were nasty toward you when you were in a church, but I'm not trying to inflame your bitterness There is the real church of Jesus Christ. There are people that are really saved, that are spiritual people that are walking with God. And then there are those that put on religious garbs and yet there's something not quite right in their heart. I'm not here to foster a bitterness in your heart towards the church. I'm just here to say there is a divide and we see it there in the scripture and we need to be aware of it. I'm pointing out that there are those that name the name of Christ and can be in high positions that are at odds with Christ the same Christ they say they love and serve. That's what was happening with the Pharisees. We love God, and yet they're at odds with God. Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. What what mercy God had on this man, this healed man. And yet, He was careful, Jesus was careful to give him direction by saying, now you need to live a life without sin. Now you need to go forward and sin no more. Even Jesus here affirms that this easy believism that's part of our culture, you know, just we say a little prayer and everything's okay. I'm not doubting that people may get saved that way, but that that is not, that's not the whole picture. He came to give us a life of victory over sin. 
not just to say that we're a Christian because we said a little prayer and somebody gave me a card where I said, I said a prayer on this day. He came to free us, to destroy the works of the devil and to free us from sin. I do want to say here that though Jesus was or healed this man on the Sabbath day, Jesus himself was not against the Sabbath, but rather he was against the foolish rules that they had made in order to keep uh, the Sabbath when God's rules were very simple. Do you not, uh, and his rules were this, don't work, don't buy or sell, rest in worship and gather with other believers. That's where it's distilled down to. The Jews believed that it was a work to heal somebody on the Sabbath. So I want to read a few things for you that are found in some of Jewish writings. Uh, the Pharisees' Sabbath restrictions forbade the following activities, writing, erasing, and tearing, conducting business transactions, shopping, cooking, baking, or kindling a fire, gardening, doing laundry, carrying anything for more than six feet in a public area, moving anything with your hand, even indirectly with a broom, uh, a broken bowl, flowers, a vase, candles on a table, raw food, a rock, a button that has fallen off of your clothes. Uh, you could move things, however, with your elbow or with your breath. You just couldn't touch it with your hand. And that's just a partial list. Uh, here's a few more. A plaster might be worn provided its object was to prevent a wound from getting worse, but not to heal it, for that would be uh, that would be work. Similarly, a person might go about with wadding in his ear, but not with false teeth, nor with a gold plug in the tooth, because if the wadding fell out of the ear, it couldn't be replaced because that'd be work to pick it up. And some indeed thought that uh, the healing virtues uh, lay in the oil in which it had been soaked and, and which had dried up, but others described them to the warmth of the wadding itself. In either case, there was danger of healing by having this wadding inside of their ear, um, and they were arguing about how it's going to heal, but they were like, well, the point is it's it's healing and and doing anything for the purpose of a cure and that that wadding in the ear or that thing stuck into like an abscess tooth or whatever, you can't do that on the Sabbath. Although if you had it worn, if it was in your ear or you had this little compressed thing in your tooth uh, before the Sabbath, then you could continue to do it. Again, as regarding false teeth, they might fall out. And the wearer might then lift them up and carry them, which would be sinful on the Sabbath. So don't wear false teeth in the Sabbath. These are the rules these people are making. Bones, if you broke them, they couldn't be set. You couldn't use emetics. That's like a medicine that causes vomiting. Uh, you couldn't give them that, nor any medical or surgical operation could be performed on the Sabbath. While the law prohibited the application or use on the Sabbath of any remedies that would bring improvement or cure to the sick, all actual danger to life superseded the Sabbath law, but nothing short of that. Thus, to state an extreme case, if on the Sabbath a wall had fallen on a person and it were doubtful whether he was under the ruins or not, whether he was alive or dead, a Jew or a Gentile, it would be duty to clear away the rubbish sufficiently to find the body. If life were not extinct, the labor would have to be continued, but if the person were dead, then nothing further should be done to extricate the body. Similarly, a rabbi allowed the use of remedies on the Sabbath in throat diseases on the express ground that he regarded them as endangering life. On a similar principle, a woman with child or a sick person was allowed to break even the fast of the Day of Atonement, while one who had a, mania a maniacal attack of morbid food craving for food on that sacred day might even eat unlawful food. Isn't it? It's crazy. This is what I'm talking about with the superstitious stuff. This is what Jesus had a problem with. He didn't have a problem with us obeying God. He had a problem with us making up all these extra kind of things that buried God's true intent of the law, buried it far beneath. 
there is a teaching and belief that's prevalent in our day now that any careful living is legalism. However, if you were to read the Jewish writings of the rabbis and you heard some of what I just said right now, you would see what Jesus considered legalism. And I just want to tell you as a word of caution, dear listener, that you should never confuse obedience with legalism. Obedience is pleasing to God. Legalism is not pleasing to God. And we find how we obey God through the word of God, and it makes it very clear. And so we never want to say, well, that's just legalism to obey God, because we won't be in a good place spiritually. We'll be in a dangerous place. But Jesus answered them after they're saying, you're doing all this on the Sabbath, and it's not lawful to do. Jesus answers them and says, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead, and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The crazy thing is, the Pharisees were so caught up with Jesus, how he had broke the Sabbath, they completely ignored that an incredible miracle just happened, a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. Also, their Jewish Messiah that was prophesied about in the Old Testament was prophesied that he was going to, prophecies about him that he was going to heal people of their diseases. They, however, they were so caught up with their man-made traditions, they were straining at gnats and swallowing camels. And that's what made Jesus so furious because then you bury his truth. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Here, Jesus is trying to tell them that he and the father are one. If they reject him, that is Christ, they are rejecting the father who they say that they're faithful to. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is trying to help them see they are more concerned with man-made judgments than the judgment of God. And I have to skip ahead here for lack of time, but he was saying things to them about, he's not just doing this witness himself. John the Baptist bore witness, the father bore witness, his works bear witness, because the Old Testament was said that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So he's trying to help them see that they're wrong. And he told them that they don't even know God at all. They think they do. And they search the scriptures for him. And yet the scriptures are telling them about Christ. And they idolize the study of the scriptures instead of worshiping the God who wrote the book. And Jesus told them that they were in their positions more for themselves than they were for truth or for the glory of God. And so we need to distinguish between what Jesus really says and wants us to do and superstition.
So dear listener, are you somebody who is superstitious in that you trust in gemstones and rocks and tarot cards and palm readings and all these other things to try and give you some direction or peace in life? I just want to encourage you, dear listener, throw that stuff aside. It's transient at best. And also it has demonic influence all the way through it. If you want true deliverance, then throw all that overboard and give your life to Christ. And you who are religious, religious to the point that you don't really have the true reality of Christ within, and you've got all your faith and hope inside of your religiosity, throw that aside. Read the Bible. See what Christ says. Obey Christ. Be saved. Be born again. Repent of your sins. Be filled with the Spirit of God and be a true disciple and follower of Jesus instead of just being somebody that blindly follows a bunch of things men say and bury God's truth. Be a Christian and be a real Christian indeed. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want you to introduce yourself and set up a time so that I can meet with you and that I can help you further in your journey with God. Then I want you to like and follow us on our social media accounts. That's Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, YouTube. You're going to find more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey. You can connect with other people that are going through uh, their journey. And I want you to tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.